Hello and welcome to the China Image Federation Podcast. It has been a great year and I'm joined here with Charlie to talk about all of our gaming this year. Or at least a great year for gaming for me personally. How about you? Pretty good. Certainly not as many games as you. You have played more games this year than anyone I know, probably. And uh, that's a remarkable thing. So we'll talk about that, your incredibly long list of games you played. Mine is much shorter, but um, a lot to talk about, certainly. And interestingly, this is our sixth time recording this end-of-year podcast. For people who haven't heard this podcast before, I'd like to also add that most of the games which I played most this year did not come out in 2022. So different from many other end-of-year podcasts or lists uh, this is not restricted exclusively to releases this year. Right. I think we can look at it as more of just our annual review of games that we've touched upon that we think interesting or unique, not necessarily limited to, you know, a review of games that came out this year. I know I have personally touched upon a few games that are quite a bit older, so, but I think worthy of talking about, but... On that note, how many games do you think that you completed this year? So it it depends a little bit upon how we define complete, but uh, basically it's about, I think, 12 games. Um, So some of these games are online games, which don't really kind of get completed. And one of those is the game which I played the most this year, which I played with you, which is Hunt Showdown. Yeah. So it's a little bit difficult to define like what, what means, you know, completed in that game. But personally, I would just say like, if I've played a game for 20 hours and I feel like I have a good understanding of how it works and I've played it many times, then, you know, that's kind of complete to me, but that's just my subjective take on it. But in any case, about a dozen games. Yeah. I mean, I would say with multiplayer games and stuff, you can define your own milestones for, you know, what you consider complete. For me, I considered that I completed Hunt when I prestiged. I've prestiged a few times since then, but I mean, I had seen... I mean, you and I had seen the core gameplay loop, pretty much all of the content, you know, maybe 20 hours into that game or something, and we put a lot more hours into it after that, but I mean, you can see most of what the game has to offer at that point, so that seems complete to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I consider complete to be kind of, you've gone through all of the main content of the game. Right, right. Yeah, I have done far too many games this year um you know with lockdowns here and transitioning to working from home and other things that have just led to me spending more time at home um yeah so i got through as of last night 121 games yeah Wow, that's crazy, man. Right? That's that's an amazing number. But some of those games, a lot of those games are probably small and short, right? A lot of them are much smaller, shorter games. I mean, some of them were games that you could be in, you know, a few hours or something. And some of them, I mean, like I played games such as Sludge Life, which I'll talk about a little bit, that um, could be completed in one or two sittings, you know? And then I played some longer games for sure that take um i mean uh quite a while i'm kind of surprised that i got through some of the longer games that i did get through this year so i know that one of the longest games you played this year was hunt showdown and that i think you spent what like 300 hours 250 hours something like that i think i'm at about 350 hours now wow okay so that's the most time you spent in any steam game I believe so, yeah. I mean, Civilization might be close if you look at my hours across the entire series, but not in an individual Civ game yet. So I still do go back to Civ. Yeah, yeah, we don't count we don't count time by adding them up yeah. like that. So yeah, Hunt has gotta be the most Which is kinda crazy. I um I mean I've talked about people spending that kind of time in games before and stuff but honestly i think a few months ago when you and i were first getting into hunt showdown i felt like you know 
there's always more and more games coming out, but there's so many games in my library that I haven't really fully utilized. And you and I had both discussed about just sitting down and enjoying the games that we already have. So I have made it a point to try to spend more time with games that I have and enjoy rather than jumping around from game to game to game and at least get some enjoyment out of it. And I'm still enjoying Hunt, so I'm happy to keep keep playing it i've met a lot of cool people playing it and it it's a fun social activity to me to just you know get out and play hunt with people i have a lot of fun discussions on there and stuff which has been important with me being in lockdown and stuff to be able to socialize with people that's been an enjoyable way for me to be able to get that when i can't leave the house yeah, interesting how everything is so digital and online and connected now. It's it's like that here too, to a much lesser degree. I'm, I know that you because you're in China, you've gone through crazy stuff this year, and it has not been as crazy here compared to 2020 or 2021 when there were very limited, you know, localized right. restrictions on life. China is much more of a North Korea situation, although it seems like those days are pretty much over now, but. Yeah, you guys have had a lot of time to be at home. I mean, they're talking about fully lifting the travel restrictions and everything in January. But, I mean, with the way things have been going, even before COVID, things still continue to get more and more restrictive here, regardless of the COVID situation. So, I mean, it is what it is, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you got 120 games you completed this year. So how do we go about talking about these? Do you have a list of your favorite ones that you want to talk about? Or how do you describe the list? Well, I was thinking I would just, you know, spend about 10 minutes talking about every single game that I played this. No, I'm just kidding. That would be... <laughs> um well, I wanted to talk about maybe a few of my favorite games, some of the ones that I found interesting, and I think I'd like to personally start out with one of my favorite games from the entire year. Okay, how about we just go one by one? Yeah. I've got a list of just nine games here, actually, that I completed. I, I estimated it was 12. It's actually nine. So we can just go uh, one by one. Yeah. Trading back and forth if you want to do Absolutely, it that way. Absolutely, sure. Yeah, and I have no intention of going through all of these games. Uh, we can link a list to, you know, of what I played if people are curious, you know, but I'm only going to talk about some of these. Um, but my favorite game... I, that sounds good. Yeah. We'll put a, we'll put a link to the full list mm -hmm. in the podcast notes. I think maybe, if not my favorite game being up there near the top would be... Um, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, the remake of Stanley Parable. And I think I should talk a little bit about it and the original game. So the original game was a, re a standalone mod for, what was it, Half-Life, I think, back in 2011 with six endings. And it was released as a full game in 2013. With more than 10 endings. It basically doubled the content that was in the mod. And was it? I think Davey Redden had collaborated with... I um, can't remember his name. It was these two guys, though, that worked on the original mod. And then they made a studio together. And this game has been being teased, the remake, since 2019. And it's been delayed numerous times. And the eventual release date was 427 of this year, which is a reference to Stanley's employee number. There was a demo for the original hmm. game, which is entirely different content than the actual game, just because they didn't want to spoil the actual game, but give a feel for what it was like. And it's been referenced in popular cultures, such as a Dota 2 announcer being um, Kevin Brighting, the narrator from the game, a Sports Friends announcer. I, I know we've played Sports Friends at CGF before. It appears in House of Cards, where the nature of the game is used as an actual metaphor for the current state of politics. And... The TV show Severance took Stanley Parable as strong inspiration, which I, that was a really cool show. I don't know if you watched that, 
But um, this remake. I did not. Really cool show. Highly recommend it. Um, but the remake sold more than 100,000 copies. Or no, the original, I think, sold more than 100,000 copies within 24 hours. This remake, for anyone who hasn't played it, I don't want to say too much. But, I mean, it's a game that's all about choice, right? And if you haven't played it, or if you have played it, I recommend the remake is like the definitive version of the game. And it does something unique with what remakes do that I've never really seen done before. It doesn't really alter the base game, but it adds so much to it without spoiling it. But there is maybe more than two to three times the amount of content that was in the base game. So it's not just like a remake. What do you mean by content? Do you mean like new areas of the office or what What do you mean by content? New areas, new dialogue, new endings, um, new, new mechanics. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And it has all the same achievements from the first game, but with uh, twists on them. So there was a achievement from the first game. I think it's called, I think you should go outside or something like that, or get a life. And it's an achievement for not playing the game for five years. And the seat the or not the sequel, this remake has super, I think you should go outside where you get an achievement for not playing the game for 10 years. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, so really cool game. Well, the first one, which I was going to mention, which I have kind of completed recently, I would define as completed, is Ready or Not by Void Interactive, which I understand you just got recently. Correct. Yeah, it seems like a really cool game, kind of like a spiritual successor to SWAT 4. Yeah, I didn't play SWAT 4, but that's what everybody says. It's a game which is still in early access. It's been out for exactly a year almost. It came out in 2021 early access. Made in Dublin, Ireland by a small developer with uh, less than 50 employees, so very much an indie project. And it is quite an amazing achievement considering how small the team is. If you compare it to something like uh, Sledgehammer Games or Infinity Ward who make Call of Duty games, those are made by about 500 people. So this is one-tenth of the developer size and pretty stark to compare Ready or Not with something like Call of Duty because um, it's it's very realistic and it's not made in this sort of microtransaction centric primarily online um, you know shooter genre it's a very realistic tactics game and it's um, it's primarily based around CQB which stands for close quarter battles which is basically what um, police or SWAT do to navigate interior structures um, you know office buildings residential buildings um, stores where there might be like hostage scenarios, um, raids on criminal suspects, uh, things like that. And in the tactical gun world, CQB is known to be one of the most dangerous things you can do with a gun um, because there's very little you can do to mitigate the risk because you're uh, navigating such um, an unpredictable, dangerous space, which is so, you know, in such close proximity. So um, it's a really dangerous game. It's a very difficult game. It's a strategy game. And you have to go very slowly and in a very methodical way through these structures. And a lot of um, police units and SWAT units are using Ready or Not to practice movement mechanics and cooperation and teamwork. Um, In the real world, those people train these sort of things in what are called shoot houses which is a uh, wooden structure which simulates the layout of a residential building or a commercial building. So stores or offices or homes tend to have predictable patterns and layouts in terms of how one room feeds into another, where the doorways are, what the size of the rooms are, and things like that. And so instead of going into it... You've actually been training that, right? I've actually never trained inside a shoot house, but um, I know a lot of people who have, and it's something which... um, you know, probably very few civilians do that sort of training because it's pretty costly and it's pretty difficult to find. And okay. typically when you go into a shoot house, you're not using live rounds. 
Um, right. So you're using what's called simunition. So you're using real guns with like fake bullets, basically. Um, so and that stuff is very costly and very like niche and specific, and it's also pretty much only for like very experienced people. Right. So only people who've been doing like tactical sort of shooting for many years would probably step into a shoot house. It's not a place you would like take beginners. So I haven't done that yet, but, um, ready or not is used to sort of practice those principles Mm -hmm. in a much, you know, cheaper, safer sort of environment. And so it's a really fun game. Once you start to get into the game, a lot of the tutorials on how to play, there's a lot of these on YouTube and they are completed by like SWAT members or Rangers or special forces, like people who've received this sort of training. And it is a lot of real world information, which goes into ready or not. And I think that's pretty unusual, you know, Sure. there are some games like one other, which I'm going to talk about, which is uh, city skyline, which is a like urban design, like city planner game. Mm-hmm. It's not about architecture, but it is about urban planning. And that includes a lot of like real world urban planning mechanics as well. Like, you know, people who are in the trade of urban engineering, you know, mm-hmm. are applying things which are in the game and ready or not is kind of in the pretty rare category of a game that is uh, so realistic. It's used for like real world application. Right. Um, there are some things in the game which are not totally realistic. Um, like it has night vision, but the night vision doesn't operate in exactly the same way as the real one does. And I think they do that because it's, it's more fun and easy to use in the game. Right. Um, a lot of the guys I've played with, I, I train with in real life and uh, many of them have night vision and they, you know, I've used theirs. I don't have my own since it's an expensive item to have, but um, it's for the most part, like a very realistic game. So I've played that for about 20 or 30 hours and that has been uh, one of the coolest games I've played this year. I wouldn't say it's like necessarily the best game, but um, it's a lot of fun. It really requires uh, teamwork and communication and you pretty much have to play with people you know. Yeah. and be on voice chat with them. And if you don't, it's kind of just hopeless. I mean, I, I played it briefly to check it out. Um, It's definitely different, you know, than Call of Duty or Halo or Counter-Strike. Or, you know, not just running in blindly. I mean, that's how you get yourself killed in that game. You You can't take... You're not a bullet sponge. You can't take a bunch of shots. You don't want to notify your presence to all the enemies immediately necessarily either. I noticed that there isn't even any, um, it doesn't seem like there's any sprinting. You're not vaulting over objects or things like that. Um, so it definitely is slower, more methodical, as you said, strategic. It does seem really cool. And I've noticed on, um, some of the recent reviews and updates they've been adding, it's almost bordering on some of the newer content on more horror elements and stuff, like tracking down serial killers and stuff in creepy locations and stuff. I don't want to say, like, full-on horror or anything, but more along the lines of something like, say, Seven or something, you know, which seems cool to me. I like that whole concept of like the creepy atmosphere and stuff and it's a good looking game it looks cool it definitely sets up this tense atmosphere which is really cool also my favorite thing about it absolutely i would say is that in the uh the lobby you can go to the coffee machine and make yourself a cup of coffee That's funny. I didn't know you could do that. The um, developer, Void Interactive, is an Irish um, studio, and they do they describe the uh, setting of the game as like um, and uh, like America in social and economic collapse. So you there's some of the messages are, are like serial killers, like you describe. Um, one of them you're going into like a like a pedophile's lair in a LA mansion. So it's just a mer- it's a realistic depiction of America. You know, it's kind of the kind of stuff that SWAT does, you know, like this is what they do. Yeah, like. yeah. Um but there's a, some interesting environmental storytelling in the game. You know, because you they don't tell you like what has happened, right. you know, really, but when you enter certain stages, you find clues about what has happened and so you can kind of piece together a story through the environment which is cool that's real cool so i never completed swap 4 i've been meaning to go back to it and i probably will soon but um 
Swap 4 was developed by Irrational Games, and it was a, one of the big points. I mean, it's a lot of people love the strategy and the tactics involved in it, but a lot of people praise it for its environmental storytelling. Um, I mean, they're real, real good at that, you know? So, And I think it's the last game they made before um, making that those group of people made Bioshock. Yeah, so a lot of cool stuff happening. So it's good to see somebody kind of making a modern a modern take on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's first on my list. What do you got next? Yeah, so um I mean, I played a lot of horror games this year, like a lot of horror games. And I think I'd like to start out just talking about Alien Isolation cuz I was kind of obsessed with that earlier in the year and blown away i think as one of the best ip like uses ever maybe um really really accurate kind of take on um ridley scott's you know the first movie it felt just very authentic and they had got a lot of material from fox to produce its behind-the-scenes stuff, um, you know, production materials and stuff. They got over three terabytes of the original production material from Fox and met with the uh, the film editor, Terry Rawlings, who had worked on the film as well as Blade Runner. Um, and they had used work from artists Ron Cobb and Mobius. I really like Mobius a lot. Fantastic French comic book artist. But uh, what's interesting is it's Creative Assembly, which is famous for the Total War series. So they had, you know, never made a game like this before. They had only worked on strategy games. And the prototype was only developed by a six-man team where one person actually controlled the alien manually, and that's what got kind of the project sold on it, which sounds interesting. That sounds kind of like Dead by Daylight or something. Um, but really great sound design. I mean, it's still, it, it was released all the way back in 2014, and it, it still looks good to this day. Fantastic art direction. The story... Well, not perfect, is just good enough to keep it going. Great setting, throwbacks. They used all the original actors for some um, reprising their roles for DLC for the game, which was great. And the AI is the best I've maybe ever seen in a game. The Alien, particularly, was scripted with a complex set of these behavioral designs that would unlock as you play, so it feels like the alien's learning from your behavior. You could replay the same scene over and over and over again and have the AI, like the alien behave differently every time. I remember dying maybe a dozen times and finally thinking I had it, Going down this hallway, just looking behind me, I'd been down the hallway a dozen times before. It had been fine every time I was in the hallway. I looked behind me, and there the alien is sprinting at me. I'm just screaming my lungs out because I hadn't ever seen the alien there before. It just was super unpredictable, you know. It really scared me more than any other game in recent memory. So that, that was super fun. I loved that, and that kind of sent me into this whole horror binge after that, where I played a lot of other horror games. But that was the best one, you'd say? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best one, but, I mean, I played a lot of really good horror games, but maybe the best one, just overall, it's a little bit long as my only takeaway it's definitely a long game and i played some games that are real short you know that respect your time and don't overstay their welcome that you know i appreciated for different reasons but just its use and like respect for that were some of the other best ones um murder house was really good murder house is very different though like alien isolation 
super cool, respectful of the whole vibe of the thing, the film, very authentic. And Murder House is like a throwback to Resident Evil One, and it's really like old school PS One aesthetics, very campy storytelling, self-aware of what it is, and just a little bit cheesy, but self-aware enough that it doesn't, you know, do anything. And that game's scary, too. You, like, go into a house that was the house of this serial killer, and then shit starts to go down. Like, the serial killer was supposed to be dead, but obviously not. So, yeah, can't be fun. And I beat it in, like, Four or five hours, maybe. So, not bad. Um, and the Mortuary Assistant. That was a real cool one. That was released, actually, this year. And that's fun because it's, like, all randomized. It's got multiple endings, so you play it over and over and over. But every time's a different experience. And there's a deem You get a new job. As an assistant, embalming these bodies, and one of the bodies is um, possessed by a demon. It's your job to figure out which body it is and get rid of it. Interesting. Okay. Well, next game on my list is one that we played together, which is The Forest. This was definitely one of the most enjoyable gaming experiences of the year for me. So good. Interesting because this game came out such a long time ago. It came into early access in 2014. But it's more relevant today because a sequel is coming out just in a few months called Sons of the Forest. I think that's due to come out in February of 23, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, March. So for people who are not familiar, it's a survival horror game meant to be played with others, really. It's a multiplayer game. It's very similar to the Lost TV show from back in the day. Um, It's a plane crash on a tropical island where you have to build a base and survive from homicidal humanoid kind of locals. Um, And there's a lot of crafting and building involved, collecting items, searching for them, compass and map, tracking, you know, various things across this island. And it ends in a pretty cool story in a very similar to Lost fashion. Yeah, I mean, we played it, you know, several times before, but this is the first time we pushed through and beat it. And we had our friend Sean join us, which was cool. Um. The story was a lot better than I expected. It was really interesting and engaging. I mean, I kind of didn't really expect that kind of storytelling in a game like that. So that was really a fun, enjoyable experience and kind of... Excuse me, still recovering (coughs) from being sick. Ah. And um, it got me into you know, survival games a bit. I picked up a few others that I'm interested in and made us interested in maybe checking out the mod for the Long Dark for the multiplayer, which should be cool. Yeah, that's another game which I played a lot this year, the Long Dark. Great game. I think one of the best survival games. Let me go through just a couple more of these real quick because some of these I don't have a lot to say, but um, so I've only got nine games on my list, as I said. Another one which I played, which I know you played, at least a year ago is Monster Train by Shiny Shoe. Super fun. Which is a um, super fun uh, strategy card game. It's very similar to Slay the Spire, yeah. although it has a couple unique mechanics, especially a sort of three-tiered uh, battleground, which is different. It's a lot easier than Slay the Spire, I think. At, at least it's more accessible. Absolutely. Certainly easier to beat the base game. Faster, too. I think I beat it on my second run, which took me took me a long time to beat Slay the Spire. That was a tough game. But uh fun game. Actually made by the same developer as the Full Throttle Remaster. Not sure if you knew that. Really? The old uh, LucasArts game. Yeah. Uh, Tim Schafer, Full Throttle, right? I thought Double Fine remade No, they that. did not. Shiny Shoe made the remaster. Wow, interesting. So there's kind of a similar art style between the two, too. You can see a little bit of a similarity once you look at them. That is one which I had never played, but I actually have the remaster in my library. I'm sure you do, too. I do. One of those games that, from back in the day, you know, one that's filling out the uh, vast Steam library. In any case, uh, Monster Train was a lot of fun. I played that for, I don't know, probably 10 hours or something like that and enjoyed that game greatly. It's as good as everybody said it was. A lot of people said they 
preferred it to Slay the Spire. And Slay the Spire was one of the games I played for like over 100 hours on Switch. In fact, I think during 2020, during the COVID stuff, Slay the Spire was one of the games I was playing the most. I remember I went to Cambodia and Southeast Asia after I left China when COVID had just begun and I was playing Slay the Spire a lot then. So I knew that Monster Train was similar and really good, but I wanted to give some time between the two since I knew they were similar. So I waited a couple of years and then eventually picked up Monster Train and really enjoyed it. So that was definitely one of the games which I enjoyed the most this year. Um, Another game, actually two other games, which I had played previously, but I didn't get really into until this year, is City Skyline by Colossal Order, which is the open-ended city-building simulation game. Yeah. Developed in Finland by a team of 30. Oh, I didn't realize it's such a small team. And one of the um, smart guy games, which makes me feel really dumb. <laughs> kind of like Factorio, actually, in that it's um, sort of intimidating. It's it's pretty challenging. There's a lot of systems. I mean, in Factorio and in City Skylines to kind of wrap your head around. I mean, those are the kind of games you could put endless hours into yeah exactly so i enjoyed city skyline a lot i had played that previously but this year i played it more than i ever have before same with long dark actually played it previously years ago but this year i got more into that and another game which i returned to which i had actually beat before i think this is the first time in many years that i went back and actually finished the game which i had finished before and that is Into the Breach by Subset Games. Oh, yeah, I replayed that. And this is a game which I previously only played on Switch. Um, so this was playing it on PC for the first time and finished that game, really enjoyed it. Same developers as FTL. Um, I think it's two guys, former EA employees, if I'm not mistaken, who are still in Shanghai, I think. They certainly made FTL in Shanghai but they were China expats. We actually talked about them previously. Subset games, right? Yeah. Real, real, both of those games, top notch. Um, Into the Breach had the kind of final, final update with uh, a bunch of new content this year, right? Um, It might have been this year. I think you're talking about the Advanced Edition. Yeah, Advanced Edition. Yeah, real cool game. Yeah, great game, very polished. Um, it's a turn-based game. It's a little bit like a chess, kind of like a tactics chess with mechs, sort of like Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, or like Final yeah, Fantasy or Tactics. Front I guess. mission, yeah. maybe a bit more like front mission with the mechs and everything. But I like the whole kind of randomized element mm-hmm. of it and going on runs. It makes it kind of real replayable. Yeah, you. That's a game you could play for such a long time. Yeah. Tons of different squads to play, different ways to win. Um, there's a lot of depth. And I feel like I've just sort of scratched the surface of that, even though I've finished it a couple times. Absolutely. I mean, it encourages you to finish it with different squads and stuff to unlock new squads and complete other various kind of meta challenges it has built into the game. Yeah. You get stars, I think, to unlock new mechs or things like that, which is cool. It's a fun way to keep it engaging as you progress, even if you've beaten the game. Yeah, that was definitely one of the best strategy games I've played in the last couple of years. Into the Breach. Cool. Yeah. Uh, going back to horror, though, there are a couple others I just wanted to touch on before I move past horror. Two studios, actually. Um, one, I absolutely loved this this is such a good studio, Baroque Decay. It's a two-man studio, I think, from France and Spain. And they started work on this mobile game called Cataquasis, which has since been shelved. They may go back to it. But um, I started out with their first game released in 2016 called The Count Lucanor. I beat it 100% in about 10 hours. It could be completed once. Um, and far less than that. Really cool game that's kind of a a horror take on children's fables. That's um, just in sp- beautiful sprite work done in the game. All real great pixel pixel artwork. And then after that, they followed it up with Yuppie Psycho, which was released in 2019. And it just improves upon everything they introduced in the Count Lucanor 
Um, you start this job at this company, and there's a there's a bunch of there's a bunch of kind of weird weird shit going on in the office, and it gets it's I mean for a pixel art like kind of Super Nintendo aesthetic, it's still kind of scary, you know, which is saying a lot about the atmosphere that they create with these games. Highly recommend both of those. If you only check out one of them, I'd recommend Yuppie Psycho unless you're tight on time. Then go with Count Lucanar, but super awesome games. And this other studio that I found that's also going for kind of an old school aesthetic, but more PS1 called uh, Scythe Dev Team. I think, are Scythe Studios. Uh, yeah, Scythe Dev Team. And they have a bunch of free games, actually, lo-fi horror games on their HIO called the Northbury Grove Massacre Act, which is like four games that are short, self, like kind of contained story arcs within this larger story they're telling. And I found out about them through Happy's Humble Burger Farm, which is kind of like Five Nights at Freddy's meets Overcooked, but doing its own unique thing. Um, really weird, but fun game where you're like cooking up burgers inside this kind of computer simulation and shit gets like super fucked up. It's pretty crazy. Really cool, though. Uh, Scythe Dev Team and Barack Decay. Hmm, cool. Definitely recommend those. So I got a couple more here to finish my list. Uh, three more games, which I'll mention. Cool. First one is an older game from 2016, which is Titanfall 2. Yes. And this is a game which everyone seems to love. Yeah. I mean, I actually replayed that this year, too. And uh, we put. Yeah, and we. Did you? No kidding. It's by Respawn Entertainment. Designed by uh, this guy who made the original Modern Warfare games uh, named Todd Alderman, who is the designer of Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer, which is considered by uh, many people to be sort of the gold standard, the golden era, I guess, of online FPS uh, game design. And so it is very well done. It's a single player game. There's a multiplayer component, which I have not spent much time playing, but um, great game, really fun you play most of the game inside a mech, so you're like flying around. You have all these sort of um, non-human movement mechanics. You're running on walls and things like that, and it is an awesome game. Not too long of a single-player campaign, and really enjoyed that. And two other games. One is um, Hong Kong Massacre by a small studio in Sweden called Vresky, released in 2019. It's basically hotline miami except 3d yeah it's a fast-paced top-down shooter and uh, has destructible environment looks really cool it's basically um like a, a john woo 1990s hong kong movie it pretty much like rips off john woo explicitly uh, you know rips off that makes it sound kind of derogatory yeah. it's an homage to uh, john woo you know doves flying in slow motion pistol in each hand sliding down the railway shooting at six guys that sort of thing awesome that's a fun game. And another one which many people have talked about this year is Vampire Survivors. And that has been one of the most surprising smash hits of 2022, I think. And it looks like it came right out of 1993. Yeah. It's a uh, bullet hell casual game, which you can play with just one hand. And it's been so incredibly successful on Steam. I think one of the most successful games of the year. It was actually mentioned in a lot of game of the year lists. And it is super fun and kind of a dumb game. You know, it's a little bit, it feels a little bit like playing like Candy Crush or something. Um, it's better than Candy Crush, so I'm not trying to I mean, it's like be a little auto, like, auto shooter. Yeah, it's it's a casual game. It's like very casual. Yeah. So, but still very impressive uh, game design. And it's cool to see something which looks like it could have been made 30 years ago, see such success today. It's a little bit like Stardew Valley. When Stardew Valley came out, it was like, oh, this feels like a Super Nintendo game. How is it outselling Call of Duty on Steam in 2020? Yeah. You know, So it's impressive to see that. Yeah, and the continued support from the dev, too, is really great to see. You know, I mean, he has released tons of free content updates and then just had um, a few weeks ago, I think, um, 
a DLC release for it, which I picked up in this most recent sale. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cheap. It's like, um, what, a few bucks or something? And the DLC's like a dollar or something? And it's simple but fun? Yeah. Cool game. And a, one developer, I think. So, great. Yeah, like you said, to see that being, you know, so high on the charts compared to, like, AAA titles and stuff. Yeah, it's great to see that. So that's definitely one worth checking out. Whoever's listening to this, if you uh, check out any game on this podcast, Vampire Survivors is an easy one to recommend because it's so cheap and you can just play it for half an hour and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the note of Titanfall, I mean, I mentioned I had played that and you talk about how great the single player is. Real top-notch game. On the note of Respawn, though, I actually completed Jedi Fallen Order last night also developed by respawn and as you had said they're all like ex-devs from infinity ward that worked on first person shooters they had never made a game like fallen order which is comparable to maybe the 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 souls games you know um but they got the uh this director stig asmusian who had previously worked at Santa Monica on God of War 1 to 3. You can definitely see some God of War influence on some of the boss fights. Um, Really well voice acted, too. The writing is fun and engaging. I mean, what you'd expect from a AAA game. It's got the main character um, being played by Cameron Monaghan, who was Ian Gallagher in Shameless and Joker in Gotham. Um, Mm -hmm. But it originally had started as a title actually unrelated to Star Wars until EA saw it and thought it would work. Lucasfilm had been super protective of, like, the Jedi is a sacred part of the franchise and had pushed them to make a shooter about a smuggler or a bounty hunter but um, Stig Asmussen had pushed, and so Lucasfilm worked directly with them on it, and they wanted to evoke feelings of the original trilogy and telling, like, kind of that classic hero's journey. So it really does feel, I mean, more like the old classic films, which are really cool. Uh, I mean, with how kind of shitty the series has been in recent years, it felt a little bit nostalgic to go through this kind of more classic feeling game mm-hmm. with modern visuals. Great looking game. Respawn's super talented. I mean, even Titanfall 2, which came out, what, six years ago or something, still looks top notch and really well optimized. So Fallen Order was awesome that was real cool that's great and it's got a sequel coming out in like two months what else is on your list um yeah so let's see i played a lot of state of decay 2 which i recommend if you're into zombies that's one of the i think one of the coolest zombie games i've ever played um i played post void which is by this um two guys from Sweden uh, called YCJY and that's kind of like a rogue if Quake was a super fast paced roguelike where your health is constantly going down and it refills with kills so you have to keep moving and keep killing and I mean a successful run of the game could be 5 to 10 minutes uh, maybe 15 minutes or something but you die so quick you know mm-hmm. and i played another similar game to that which is the successor to devil daggers called hyper demon which is some of the trippiest visuals i've ever seen where like you can see around you at like 360 degrees and stuff with the way the visuals work with more advanced movement options and devil daggers had real fast paced um, I played a lot of Risk of Rain 2. You and I had a run of that. I think it's the like perfect transition to 3D for the series. And um, they're remaking the first game now, which should be cool. 
Yeah, and I played Sludge Life, which I think I uh, mentioned to you. I don't know if you checked it out, but it's um, Terry Vellman and Dose One. Dose One's real cool. Real happy to see him so involved in the game industry in recent years. And just real cool aesthetic. Uh, it's based on a lot of um, Dose One's like experiences when he was younger and people he's actually met. And for people who don't know, Dose One's like kind of a old school kind of hip hop like rapper that uh, I mean, it's just kind of embodies like I'd say kind of a lot of 90s culture. It has this jet set radio aesthetic to it, too. That's just top notch. And um, one game that I spent a lot of time that had a real weird kind of lot of drama going on with the studio called Journey to the Savage Planet. It was developed by Typhoon Studios, who were later... Uh, this was a guy, Alex Hutchinson, left Ubisoft, the director for Assassin's Creed 3 and Far Cry 4. And um, he posted some kind of controversial tweets this year. He The studio got picked up by Google for Google Stadia, which obviously... It's not really a thing anymore. So the studio was closed down due to Stadia basically shutting down. And they retained the rights to the game, though, and are working on a sequel now. And I would compare it to maybe a really humorous Metroid Prime, which I really like Metroid Prime quite a bit. So, yeah. And... That is about it. I'm playing Neon White right now, which is Ben Esposito. Um, he made that Donut County game. It's kind of a mixture of um, Counter-Strike Surf. I don't know. Did you ever play those old, like, custom CS Surf maps? No, I've, I have I mean, it sounds familiar, actually, but I'm not sure. It's like all movement mechanics, kind of like sliding around and, like, all this stuff so it's uh this is just like kind of a movement shooter and almost makes it like a puzzle game and it's got visual novel elements to kind of break up the fast paced go 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 references kind of like are inspired by Toonami and old school anime and dreamcast aesthetics that's been a lot of fun and it's basically just like a speed running game it's just go 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 but um, that's a lot of fun. And that's about it that I really wanted to touch on. I did play a little bit of Switch this year. I went through Bowser's Fury, which is really kind of exciting to think about what direction they'll go with Mario in the future. Because it's sort of open world. I don't know if you played that one. but I did not. I don't think I played anything on Switch this year. In fact, I haven't used my Switch in... I can't remember the last time I used it. Yeah, that's how it had been for me. I don't remember why I picked it up, but I picked it up and went through that game out of nowhere. Like, the 121 games, there. that is the one of two Switch games that I played this year. So, hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, so many games. So I did play a lot of real good games i played trombone champ did you check that out ever no but it looks funny i laughed at youtube videos of it it's hilarious that's fun and i did wig out in some puzzle games i went through talos principle which i never finished when i was younger that's a bit of a mind fuck mm -hmm. comparable to maybe the witness and um, Super Liminal, which is also an absolute mindfuck, but quite a bit easier than anything yeah. else comparable to that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your list and uh, pairing it down into yeah. a number that we can talk about. <laughs> Very cool out of 120 games. Yeah. So, yeah, 2022. Can't believe this year is over. Feels like we're living so far in the future. Absolutely. Can't believe we recorded six of these. But um, 2023 starts um, yeah. right now, by the way. You realize what time it is? Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. It's uh, 1215 
January 1st, 2023 over there. Yep. We didn't even notice. Could have done a countdown Woo! mid-podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, it'll be New Year's Eve here in 12 hours, so that's pretty cool, I guess. And um, yeah, looking forward to some interesting games in 2023. First one that comes to mind is The Forest. Looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, Sons of the Forest. That'll be cool. Definitely looking forward to that. Anything else in particular that you're really looking forward to? Um, That was my number one title I was looking forward to. And then um, as of, you know, getting into The Fallen Order, I am looking forward to the sequel to it. I have a lot of faith in Respawn. So I'm hoping that'll be real good. And just those two. Oh, and of course, the new Zelda. Yeah, that's definitely one of the most anticipated games of the year. New Zelda for sure. Yeah. There's also that uh, Starfield Bethesda game. Screw that, dude. <laughs> Bethesda is kind of... I know. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand you. I totally understand that. Yeah. I'd rather get back into No Man's Sky or something. That is one of the most anticipated games of the year, though. For a lot of people... We have uh, the Fantasy Critic group. That's one of the most wow. picked games of the year for sure in All terms right. of predicting that it'll score high. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, cool. I think we can wrap up there. Is there anything else you're going to hop on playing uh, next? What are you going to play next? Uh, we should play Ready or Not. Since you got that game, we should play it together. We still haven't done that. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Okay. Well, happy new year. Yeah, Thanks you too. everybody for listening. And That's right. Yeah. Happy you can new year. Listen to more episodes of our podcast. Yeah. You can listen to more episodes of our podcast on the website or your favorite podcasting app. Over and out. Take care.